This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting slasher movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B. McKenzie. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how well it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me online at B-Not-B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. This week, we are dissecting 2021's Fear Street Part 3, 1666, directed by Lee Janiak. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Uh, life update, I'm in Sacramento recording live with B. We're together! Because I got fired from Starbucks! Bow, 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 bow. Woo, woo. <laughs> um, I won't get too into it, but uh, it was just some politics stuff. Uh, just I did not agree with a lot of things that my district manager or the management of the Southern California area, Starbucks, how they were handling things, and I spoke up a lot, and they got me fired. <laughs> Kind of. That's basically the gist of it. So uh, I'm now working from home. I have luckily landed a job already. I'm doing freelance copywriting work. Um, but it allows me to be a little more mobile um, and gives me some more freedom. And I realized that uh, starting in September, I will be going to like quite a few events through the end of like October. And this would be like kind of a perfect opportunity for me to come back up to Sacramento and really get to spend some quality time with B and Cora and Liam and Ben and the rest of my friends. Um, but I really wanted to come up and spend time with B and Cora because I got to spend so much time with B right when Liam was born. Um, I felt kind of cheated of that, honestly, uh, with Cora. So it was, it's been really nice. I'll, I'll, by the time I leave, I'll been up for about like three weeks almost. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I have not been doing like any pop culture stuff because honestly, I've just been spending all my time with them. Um, I guess we both have been playing a bunch of Friday the 13th. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're getting back into that. Always. Um, so that would be like our pop culture thing is our friend group is kind of back online with that. We've got our friends Derek and Gina playing, and my old roommate Bobby playing, obviously Ben and B, and I'm mostly spectating because I don't have a system here, and I'm staying with our friends Ron and Kate, and I play occasionally at their house, but they're kind of out in the boonies, so the internet is not great, and it boots me a lot, <laughs> so... Well, yeah, and because, I mean, if anybody plays the game or has played it in the past, like, there's no server anymore, so you host the game yourself when you're playing. So if you lose internet connection, the whole game just quits out, yeah. and you have to start the match over. So if Ryan gets booted, the whole team gets booted. Yeah, so I've been mostly um, just spectating from being Benson, like taking turns playing. Yeah. Um, but that would be my big pop culture thing, I would say. But yeah, other than that, it's, I've been up in Sacramento, and it's honestly been really really nice um i kind of just needed to center myself and like figure out my priorities and like get things like it's not like things were spiraling i already landed a job before i even came back up and like i'm not upset that i lost my job but it was just one of those things where i was like i just need to be around my people right now before i go back down to la and you know like it's one of those things where you go like oh this is an opportunity, like, do I want to stay in L.A.? And so I kind of had to evaluate that. And for the time being, yes, I will be in L.A. Um, but it has been absolutely lovely to be up here and get to spend so much time with them and uh, hang out with Cora because she just sleeps and cuddles all the time, and it's great. Mm-hmm. She's squishy and a baby, and it's that fun phase where they just kind of chill with you and... Your day kind of revolves around them. Yeah. It's nice. It's it kind of like forces you to slow down and just like chill. 
And it like really the does. big yeah. adventure is like going to the park with the toddler, you know, like that was our big outing for the day. It's like once a week we go out, we meet up with our friends who have a daughter similar age to Liam. They're like little best friends. It's the cutest thing. So we meet up and we go to the park or the zoo or, you know, the museum. We have a couple of museums here in SAC. They're fun to take the kids to. And that's like our big adventure for the week. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the time is just spent chilling at home. Ben and I have watched every freaking new movie, it feels like, that has come mm-hmm. out. Um, like, we don't care. 20 bucks, 30 bucks to rent it. We're like, yeah, give us something new to watch because it's almost like bad timing this time around with Liam when we had him and we were home we were like so excited to have time to just catch up on movies we hadn't gotten around to because we led such busy lives before we had him um like within a span of a couple years we were engaged I graduated college and I went through like a super strenuous um design program that basically didn't allow me to have a life outside of it so it was really nice to come out of that but then we came out of that to getting married a few months later and then we both were working full time and then I got pregnant and so our lives were like super crazy so when we were on maternity and paternity leave with Liam we caught up on all these movies well 2020 happened and we watched a lot of movies together yep um, more movies in the last year than we have definitely watched in the 10 years we've been together. Um, so this time we had Cora and we're like, okay, cool. It's our time to watch movies. And we're just begging studios to re- release things on VOD. We're like, please. And I mean, granted, there's always stuff to watch. Don't get me wrong. But things that both of us want to watch. Right. Um, so yeah, it's it's been nice to watch watch a lot of the new stuff. So what... Uh, you you know. watch Fast 9 yet? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so we watched Fast 9, uh, Jungle Cruise, uh, the Paw Patrol movie. Um, I don't know. I feel like every Friday we've kind of had something to watch, which has been nice. Um, what did we have last Friday? We were excited about it. Oh, it was Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. Um, which is always exciting. It's our only one of the year. I know. We had two last year. We were yeah. Only, we so, only have one next year, too. I checked. Yep, me too. Yeah. So yeah, it was only the only Friday the 13th of the year, which is kind of what got us in the mood to playing Friday. Um, we watched part six, um, a little Tommy Jarvis action. Uh, yeah, it was nice. I got Cora a little outfit. So I got her this cute little onesie that just says like Camp Crystal Lake on it. Uh, and like did a little photo shoot with her. Uh, and I was in the pictures to my mom and she's like, B, it's September. And I'm like, this isn't for Halloween, mom. It's Friday the 13th. And she's like, oh, okay, cute. <laughs> <laughs> like she was upset at first thinking I was doing like a Halloween photo shoot in September. And I'm like, no, it's Friday the 13th. And then she was like, oh yeah, cute. No, it's mini Halloween. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Baby's first Friday the 13th. But yeah, that's what we want to do. I mean, we've been watching a ton, but I mean, nothing I feel like super... Yeah, I'm still on reality TV. Yeah. Bachelor in Paradise started, so that's where I'm at. I was living on F Boy Island, and now I'm on a new island. I mean, also Love Island, because that's still on, and that's on every day of the week. It's like a soap opera. Yeah, but better. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is that, is, I think it's kind of like the show, if anybody's watching season two of Ted Lasso, like one of the uh, football stars like leaves to go on a reality show, and he like gets kicked off the island or something. They would probably be like that because yeah. Love Island is huge in the UK. Yeah, it's so like, I think it's something like that. They're like, you didn't even last on that reality show. So he goes back to football because he gets kicked off some reality TV island. It's funny. All right, what do we watch? Um, we're covering. Uh, keep screaming, or that's our podcast. Sorry, <laughs> it's been a long day. We're covering keep, keep screaming. screaming. We made a movie. Now, uh, Fear Street Part we 3, wish. 1666. So, we are finishing up the trilogy uh, for Fear Street. If you haven't listened to the other two episodes or seen the other two movies, there will be heavy spoilers. So, just be aware of that going in because this is the conclusion. Um, and there's a lot of things that they wrap up in this, in yeah. this movie here. And if you didn't watch the movies and you just listened to the episode, which I know some of you do, which I mean, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's finish this up. You can. You'll finally know what happens. Yeah, because we've been dancing around things like the whole time. So. Yeah. 
Uh, our synopsis is a colonial town is gripped by a witch hunt that has deadly consequences for centuries to come, while teenagers in 1994 try to put an end to their town's curse before it is too late. It's very ominous. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an ominous movie. Uh, our release date was July 21st, 2021. As we know, um, if you've watched it or listened to other episodes, the first film was scheduled to be released in June 2020 and was pulled from the schedule because of COVID. And then in August 2020, Netflix acquired the rights to the trilogy, and then they released them um, two weeks apart in summer. They did a summer of fear. Um, so, yeah, they... Uh, they, oh, it was a Friday, three Fridays in a row. They or three Fridays them. in a row, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they did, it was like all of July, pretty yep. much. They did their summer of year. Yeah, I'm going to need that every year. Um, oh my God, yes, it, right? Like, it just needs something. It doesn't necessarily have to be Fear Street, but some kind of like horror summer releases on Netflix, I think. I mean, I'm judging by the like internet, um, these movies are successful like very especially with like the age group um it reminds me a lot of like the kissing booth movies where you just see like a ridiculous amount of fan art and people just are obsessed with this series and i get it like i would have been so insanely like fangirl if this came out when... I mean, I really like the movies. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I now officially own a Shady Side sweatshirt. I bought one off Etsy. Um, I really, really like these movies. I'm super excited about them. But if I was 10 years younger, holy fuck. Like, I'm, I'm really surprised there's not, like, more stuff at Hot Topic. But sometimes, like... Is there stuff at Hot Topic? No, I feel like that takes like, a while, ne- though. Between Netflix and, and, like, merchandising, it always does. Like, yeah. other things will right away. But, like... Netflix Stranger Things was like two years but yeah. like before there was merch because people were like begging for it yeah um, and they were like that's when Netflix I feel like finally was like we can make some money off this stuff I feel like they do I mean which could be completely wrong but it seems from the outside that they they're really hesitant to do merchandising stuff it's like they want to keep all of their stuff safe in their own hands but then with things like Stranger Things, when it's just, like, so, like, feverishly mm-hmm. obsessive over it, they're kind of like, oh, okay, like, we can make some money off of this. Let's do it. Yeah. It has to be, like, big, though, because, like, they barely did stuff for, like, other big franchises. Like, all their Marvel stuff, like, maybe a couple shirts. Yeah, I remember Jessica Jones having a couple things. Yeah, like, same with Daredevil. Yeah. And, like, I remember seeing stuff for Orange is the New Black, but, like, just little stuff here and yeah. there, not, like, a lot. Yeah. And we're talking about, like cultural phenomenons things that became part of our pop culture orange is the new black mm-hmm. stranger things yeah and marvel right yeah all the know? marvel stuff netflix has done a lot of that i'm sure we'll see more fear street stuff like mm-hmm. at least inspired by like now that the movies have been out i mean maybe in a couple months maybe we'll try and do a little push try and get some stuff out for halloween Maybe. We'll it see. Sense. They sold stuff at that Fear Street pop-up in LA, so they yeah. have merch. It's just, like, very limited right now. Until then, you can support indie artists. There's a ton, a ton of Fear Street stuff on Etsy. Um, there was, like, a couple things. I, like, had a really hard time picking what I wanted. Um, so if you're looking to rep the franchise, you can rep it. Yeah, B sent it to me. It's all really cool. Actually. Yeah, they have these, like, color... Uh, wore sweatshirts like from the middle movie and then the one i got is like shady side estimated 1666 and it's got like a little skull hand coming out of the ground um it's just like a simple screen printed sweatshirt but i mean it's just cool and it's nice to have like merch from these i'm just trying to support these newer slashers and oh absolutely it's so nice to see them and have them and be able to talk about them that i'm just like oh my god please more but yeah, I just, I'm almost jealous. And there's so much cool. They did do a ton of cool featurettes. Like if you go on YouTube and type in Fear Street, they've got the cast doing all this fun stuff. They basically do, I posted about it on Twitter. They do a Killbusters episode on the Bread Slicer kill. Um, they stole our idea. Um, if I ever get rich, I will produce a very high-quality Killbusters YouTube channel. But until then, um, Ben and I can just talk about it. But it was super cool. So they, they're definitely doing a lot of stuff to promote the films, which is fun to see. Because so many of these movies that we cover, 
we're just like scraping to find, you know, basic information on it on the internet. So it's, it's cool when we cover these newer and bigger stuff that, you know, there's a lot of stuff. So if you are into it, if you do watch the movie and listen to the episode, you can't, there's like other things to consume, which is nice. Um, our budget and box office is unknown and zero because it was street streaming, obviously. Um, the reception on this is actually the highest of the three. So Rotten Tomatoes is sitting at a 90%, with part one at 83 and part two just a smidge behind it at 89%. Critics' consensus states that Fear Street Part 3, 1666, sends the slasher series back in time for a trilogy-concluding installment that caps things off on a screaming high note. It's the highest rate is because it's the least slasher. Yes. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah, and people right now are hot on that, like, old-school horror shit, so... I also think that plays into it. It's just like oh yeah, like right now. the witch. Yeah, like folk, yeah, it's, it's like not folkloric, folkloric horror yeah, at all. But, but no, like, but it's it's because it's but, like Salem esque. Yeah, yeah, People yeah, are like, yeah, yeah. oh, like there's pilgrims and stuff. Yeah. Um, Steve Green of IndieWire gave it a B minus, stating despite some of the counterproductive choices in 1666, the way that Fear Street chooses to wrap up this mini saga is a jolt of inspiration at the finish, um, which I agree with. I think they made some weird choices in this third one. Um, mm-hmm. But I still think it wraps up very, very nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ian Freer of Empire gave it 8 out of 10, saying it rounds off an, amb- an ambitious triptych chock full of horror history illusions, strong world building, sharp scares, palatable gore, lively filmmaking, and a likable set of characters. Other scary movie franchises take note. Wow, oh, Ian, what a vocabulary he has. I know. And I also he completely stole my agree word. with him. Which one? Triptych. Oh, yeah, triptych. That was supposed to be like my fancy art word that nobody knew about. God. Thanks a lot, um, Ian Freer. Yeah, thanks a lot, Empire. Hiring people with large vocabularies. Uh, but I agree with like everything he says here, and especially like horror history illusions, because we do get a lot, because this movie bounces back and forth between timelines, so we are able to play a lot with um, nods to different types of horror. Um, like we do a lot of the old school, like that old school puritanical horror, but we also get to jump back into that 90s meta slasher horror. Um, and then, yes, other scary movie franchises take note. Like B said earlier, mostly take note of, like, give me four movies over the course of two months. That would be excellent. Thank you very much. That would be dope if you just do that. Mm-hmm. I love when things do this. Even, like, It, even though It was, like, a year and a half apart, I'm like, yes, give me, like, a movie that's, like, a, this big world and world build, building and character Bring building. Bring back the slasher franchises. Yeah. Bring it back. Yeah. I mean, yes. Oh, yeah. We need those, too. I was just thinking the other day about, like, I love, like, slashers are back. Like, we don't even have to uh-huh. say, like, oh, slashers. Bring back slashers. They're back. Full time. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah. It's, thank us and Christopher Landon. Yeah. Um, but, like, I was thinking how sad I am that slashers are back, but we don't have any franchises that, like, other than this and Happy Death Day, which was only two in. Entries. Oh, new ones? Yeah, but or even old ones. So we, we have, have Halloween. No Fridays. We have we have a new Halloween franchise, um, which I'm fine with. Um, but, well, yeah. I mean, it's a new slash old because it does tie into the original. Yeah. Um, but, like, so we have Halloween, but then we have no Freddy. We have no Jason. We have Scream. Um, we, we are getting Scream but back. But we'll see yeah, what they we'll do. we'll see what they do. But, like, we are getting Scream back. But it was just, like, it was kind of just interesting to think about, like, oh, man, like, well, and we have Chucky. The show's coming out. It's really just we're missing Freddie and Jason, the the pillars of That's true. the '80s pop culture slasher. Every other franchise is now is currently has something going on. That's true. I guess like because Halloween was two years ago. I guess this year actually is going yeah. to kickstart all of our yes. franchises coming back. So it's just like literally we're getting the TV show for Chucky for Child's Play this which October, yeah. which Dawn is doing, and most of the cast is returning from all the other movies super excited we are going to cover that um we've got scream in january we've got halloween kills this october we have Candyman this week we even have the new texas is next year that fetty from oh yeah i totally forgot that was happening which is also just called the texas chainsaw massacre or it's called texas chainsaw massacre whichever one they're doing one of those whatever one that hasn't been used so texas because the original is the texas so this one's just called texas chainsaw massacre yeah so yeah and scream is just scream i know it's i it's mm. Boggling, like it's un- it's frustrating. A I bit. have I have words. I don't have words actually. Well, it's just, just annoying anger. because it's like even like the, like the new Halloween we have to refer to as like Halloween, Halloween twenty eighteen. 
Like yeah. it's never going to be called Halloween. And the difference is like when Friday. Friday rebooted, so it was yeah. like, oh, Friday the Thirteenth, like yes, same title, but you can you say, say remake, reboot. yeah, yeah, and like, or you can say oh nine, but like, we like, it's different because this is screams in the same world, Halloween's in the same world. Yeah, I'm not gonna say oh the remake because it's not a remake, it's a sequel. Yeah, so and yeah, same you with don't Scream. go like Halloween, two part two, but like yeah, <laughs> but it can't be part two because the there is a two, is so and like fucked. yeah, and Scream, well yeah, but Scream, it's not fucked. There's four movies. Scream one through four. Also, like, what? You have an S. Just turn it into a five. <laughs> turn it into Scream. Like, it was right there. Well, then it's Cream. <laughs> you I can't mean, do that. Yeah, Cream doesn't sound great. No, no. Not from a typographic standpoint. You can't do five Cream. Ew. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like yeah, already, yeah, but it still can be Scream five or Scream something. Yeah. I know, um, it's interesting. It's, it's, yeah. I, I wonder how much uh, – I honestly think that's a pro, – not production, a um, studio, Jesus Christ, yeah. uh, decision to try and get people that maybe aren't familiar with the franchise and just go, get I them like, oh, like, they'll be confused if it's a fifth movie and, and they, they haven't, haven't seen, the, seen other the other ones. I think you're right. They want them. people to come into it. And it's like, I get that. So just name it something without a number it's just interesting yeah i mean i i agree with that because like also that's a hundred percent what they're doing like gen z is they don't a watch, very different beast they are a different beast like they I would work with, look at something like that and be like yeah. scream five i haven't seen the first four nope like yeah but by seeing scream like they will literally look at it and be like oh cool movie <laughs> yeah most of the co-workers that i have at um starbucks who are gen z have not seen almost any movie I ever talk about. They're like, you have a podcast? That's so cool. I'm like, you've never seen any of these movies. I guarantee you. Even the new ones. They're like, happy death day. What's that? I'm like, oh my God. I have no hope in humanity. That's not true. I do. There are definitely some young horror fans, but. Yeah. They're learning. Hopefully. They're doing exactly what we did, which is they get into something and then they dive into, you know, it's just like, also, I feel like what, I feel like it's so interesting because we get so much content now that it's almost like if they fall in love with horror, they have so much to take in first before they even have to dive back into anything. Yeah, I mean, just from, like, the last 10 years. Yeah, like, they have so... Especially when you look at just, like, how many movies and television shows, like, horror, like, horror more than any genre puts movies out on a, like, super consistent basis. Mm -hmm. So if they're just, like... a huge indie community. Yeah. So it's, like, if they, like, fall in love with it now, and then it's, like, I'm gonna watch everything from this year. It's, like, well, shit, that's, like, 80 movies. Good luck. Yeah. I feel like when I started really getting into horror movies, I mean, yeah, I guess I didn't travel back that far because it was the early 2000s when I started getting into them, and so I was going back to the 80s yeah like i mean the That's 90s not, really as far back as i went was yeah 80s. really not that far back like, when i got into yeah like i wasn't until i got or older, i wanted I, to appreciate it more that i was like looking at like okay i want to look at 50s 60s yeah. 70s or i was looking at installments that were currently being made mm-hmm. so you know i was watching the texas chainsaw remake i was watching you know all these movies that were getting remade and i was like oh there's other ones yeah so they'll fall back on the other screams eventually. Gen Z, I believe in you. Um, we're, we got this final poster here, which we've yes. talked about um, all of them uh, on the other two shows. But B is obviously covering them one by one. Uh, I, like She's talked about all three, but she dives into them more in depth with each one. So we got our final one here. Right. So this is, what is her character's name? Sam. No, in, oh, in what well, is Sam, but this is her 1666 right. character. It I'm spacing my mind. Is... I just wrote Sam. Oh. I, I, it might just be Sam. No, it's something else. Hannah. Hannah. There we go. Okay. So it showcases the uh, final girl in this installment because we kind of don't get one in this mo- in this segment, but if we do have one, it is Hannah. Um, and so... We have her, uh, obviously we know her as Sam in the 1994, so up until this movie, we know her as that character. Um, And we have her in sort of a green setting, 
and it says end the curse that's the tagline for this one and we've got um like an old oak tree and then we have a masked killer like that's the thing like do you recognize the killers on these ones um i'm like looking at b screen when i have it right in front of me. <laughs> um i don't yeah so they're kind of just like ominous almost omin- puritanical figures for some reason um sorry i enlarged it yeah there's like a guy in a hood and then like yeah just a guy kind of in a mask well it kind of looks like tommy without his mask on i'm not sure what's going on in this one this one like doesn't make the most sense to me when you're all the other ones like we could really see the influence of the films in them and like obviously they make the most sense when they're all three together don't recognize these killers um which is interesting because the other three killers on the other two posters are ones and maybe they're from the films and it's just hard to distinguish but that's a problem if you look at the poster and you can't instantly like distinguish what it's referencing from the films any of them um so i think this one works the least well out of the entire series it's also kind of doing a weird thing um with the actress who plays hannah the effect on this particular image kind of makes it look like she's got like super short hair um and so it doesn't really look like her either it's just got some weird things going on that don't work as well in this series um that these techniques applied a lot better in the part one and part two posters um i'm also not 100 percent sure like i get the tree you know that that's i think the tree that they've been referencing the whole movie um the hanging tree so that makes sense that it'd be on this one and all comes down to the tree being in the mall at the end and this is where seraphir is hung and it's okay um, I don't love it. If especially if it lived on its own without the other two, I'd be like, hell no! Like this poster does not work whatsoever. Um, given that it's in the series, it works better, but still, I don't think very successful. But yeah, I mean, the more I look at it, I'm pretty sure that's like a maskless Tommy. I don't know. Anywho, um, so taglines again it's in the curse is on this one um, which is the final one they all come together for face the evil find the truth into the curse which all kind of symbolize what each film is about three movies three weeks one killer story um this one is the last one so there's no sequels to this we'll see if they do any other fear street movies i assume that they will be done with this story story but there's so much to happen to because yeah. the fear street books are anthology like format where everyone is a different they're all like in the same like town and area but they're all different stories and very like they would cross over a little bit and do some do some of that but they have a lot to play around with i know lee has already said that she would love to come back um and they do uh, there's a, a mid-credit scene that hints that they could do more um from this one so it's possible especially with how successful they were it was like i mean they very much it's it was one of netflix's highest viewed movies ever so it did very very well for them um our director is lee janiak who has done all three of them she also did honeymoon um from 2014 and two episodes of the scream tv show and then our writers are um rl stein obviously credited because he wrote the books that they're based on phil grazia day um who is lee's writing partner um, and then they bring back uh, Kate Trefay for this one. Um, she worked on Stranger Things, and she also worked on part one of the Fear Street trilogy. Um, so the score, uh, as we talked about last time, it is Marco Beltrami, who's very famous in the genre um, and genre-esque stuff. So iRobot, World War Z, Blade Two, Love and Monsters, the Scream series, all massive um, titles. This score and the soundtrack to all these movies was just beyond top notch oh yeah um and definitely has like elevated the films extremely um and this one has anna drubik who i believe was on part two uh or part one part one one, 
um, which um, she's worked on Werewolves Within, um, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and Fair Street 1994. And then we have our same cinematographer and editor from the rest of the trilogy as well. I really love that the whole behind the um, like scenes crew was the same, and even if they weren't the same all three, like they... Um, like came back for different parts also a lot of women behind Mm -hmm. this crew which is super nice to see yeah it's becoming more prevalent needs to be even more common but it was very nice to see but uh caleb Heyman is our cinematographer who did stranger things season four that's coming out next year and then mortuary collection which is on shutter and then the rest of these films and then our editor was rachel goodlike cats who did garden state um was the editorial department and then has done Walking Dead, Carrie Diaries, Gossip Girl, tons of CW stuff. Oh, yeah. I started rewatching Carrie Diaries yesterday because... I thought you hated that show. What? Someone I know hates that show. Definitely not me. Okay. I love that show. Yeah, me too. Okay. So much that Aaron messaged me and was like, B, oh my God, I found the Carrie Diaries on some weird Aussie streaming site. They only have the first season, but I just started watching it. And I was like, I will rewatch it with you. Aaron, Bobby's girlfriend? No. Aaron, our friend Aaron from Australia. Oh, Aaron Rice. Okay. Yes. Um, so we started rewatching so it together. It's not on anything. It's a CW show. Not in Australia. Oh. It's on CW Seed. If anybody's interested. He's got to get himself a VPN. Yeah. So he can just watch it. Um, I love him so much. <laughs> I get distracted. Our cast is freaking massive. Yeah. Because pretty much everyone from all three movies is in this damn movie. Yes. So, yeah, for the sake of not boring every person who's listened to the other two episodes, we'll just go through these. This is the first episode you're listening to. Um, You can find all this info on IMDb. Um, But we have uh, Kiana Madeira as Dina, Elizabeth Scopel as Sarah Fear, Benjamin Flores Jr. as Josh, Randy Havens as George Fear, Julia Raywald as Lizzie slash Kate, Matthew Zuck as Mayor Will Good, Fred Hetchinger as Isaac slash Simon, Michael Chandler as the pastor Cyrus Miller, Sadie Sink as Ziggy Berman and Constance, uh, Jillian Jacobs as C. Berman, aka Adult Ziggy, Emily Rudd as Cindy Berman, Olivia Scott Welch as Sam and Hannah, Lacey Camp as Grace Miller and Mrs. Frazier, McCabe Sly as Mad Thomas and Tommy Slater, Daryl Britt Gibson as Martin the Janitor, Ashley Zuckerman as Sheriff Nick Good, and Jordan Donatelli as Ruby Lane. Um, yeah, so they brought back because since this one goes into the past, they which I actually really like that they did this, they brought back actors from the first two installments to play characters from the past. Um, which I thought was just a really cool like way to still keep these actors that we f- fell in love with who died around. Um, and it was just like nice to have them back because a lot of their characters were brutally murdered in the first two installments. So it was cool to see them. And then like this analogous, analogous, analogous. Um, my brain is not working right. Um, like uh, present to or past to present kind of overlay. Yeah, I really liked that too because I feel like you get two movies in and you've watched so many people die and you're invested in the story, but then I think if you were to have start the third movie with getting to know a whole new entire cast and trying to feel connected to them too, they had so much to tie up in this film to relate back to the first two movies that... I don't think it would have been as successful if it was a different cast. Also, they only spend like the first half of the movie there. So to introduce a whole half, a whole like new cast for half a movie just doesn't seem like a good idea. I don't know what I was expecting, but when it stopped and went 1994 part two, I was like, the fuck? Wait, what? Yeah. There was no part of me that thought we were going to go back to 1994. I thought we'd get like a four minute yeah you know this is to yeah. the, like to the present to be like this is what i thought it was now. all gonna get resolved in 1666 absolutely yeah and it definitely does not it basically no. just tells us our story of yeah sarah fear which i ultimately end up liking but it was definitely shocking when it happened um it's a supernatural slasher teen scream this one has a little bit like we said of that kind of folkloric 
like atmosphere, but not the like the not the that not that type of horror though. Um, it's just puritanical. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of stuff because because like, of the witch like aspect witch stuff is of it. Yeah. hinted at, but we find out that it's not real. I mean, there well, is a the deal with the devil. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's satanic. Sarah. Yeah, it's satanic. There you go. That's yeah. The word. Um, and we finally find out who our real villain is in this because for the last two movies we have thought it is Sarah Fear. Yeah, and it's Sheriff Nick Good. Are you sad about me, that? Yeah. You like him? In the I mean, '70s, when like I really one, yeah. liked him, I was like, really, when we find out that she, Ziggy hadn't seen him since they were kids, I was like, hell yeah, we're gonna, they're gonna get back together. There's gonna be some epic reunion. Like my little romantic heart was so like I. They had such good chemistry together. The kids. The kids, yeah. In the second movie. I mean, the adults have almost no communication with each other until the final scene of the film. And definitely hate each other. Yes. So I was just like really hopeful for that just because I loved their little romance and like bonding. And then when I found out that he was the bad guy, which... I suspected he was the bad guy from yeah. the first movie. Like, yeah. I mean, it's pretty. I don't know if it's purposely played by the actor to be suspicious. I would assume it was. He's pretty suspicious. But he's suspicious from day one. So the first movie, I'm like, well, definitely somehow the sheriff is involved because he's shady as fuck. And I'm pretty sure he's the bad guy. And that was just all based on performance and how he was playing each scene with the characters. So whether that was intentional or not, that was for the vibes I picked up. Yeah. Um, so it's, it was no big surprise, but it was, it was sort of my, like, I was hoping there was a way I was wrong. Well, yeah. And like to lead you to believe like maybe cause like after all the, mis- like m- after all the suspicious vibes in the first one the second one like you said he's such a likable character you're like oh like okay maybe he is a good guy like he turned out to be a good guy no that's for sure like in the second one i'm like okay so he's gonna grow up to be the sheriff and i was like that's exactly what i thought i'm like okay so maybe that was just they want it's like red herring they want you to think the sheriff's bad but it's not gonna be the right like there are a couple times where i was thinking i was like maybe they just like like he's apprehensive because he actually does know what's going on so that's why he's being so weird because like he knows there's a supernatural element in which he can't say but nope he's just bad he's just bad guy um yeah we find out that he is part of a long line of evil goods um that at the beginning of every generation sacrifice make a sacrifice uh, and to the devil they write their name on the wall and then it turns them into this killer um and yeah they blame it on sarah fear Right, so it was sort of this justification, it's just one person. It's just one name. And how much good is it going to do if it's just one person? All the people in this town will prosper. All we have to do is sacrifice one. The problem is it's a deal with the devil. So they sacrifice one, and the devil sacrifices how many ever people that person can kill before they get caught. Right, and then not just that, but shady side never prospers so like it's very selfish obviously yes um it's it's like it can you look at it like sacrificing one for the good of the the many but it's like you're actually sacrificing many for the good of like half of the people Uh so for a small group of people prosper for the death of a lot of people yeah um, no iconic weapon. Uh, that's kind of been the standard in the series, other yeah. than um, when we had like, Tommy as like the main killer in yeah. two. Uh, so we see all the killers use like their stuff. We get the axe and you know um, the switchblade um, and think, the knife from the milkman uses a butcher yeah, knife. Yeah, so we get all those again, but there's no like iconic weapon no. in this series. Uh, and we have like a lot of final people in this. Uh huh. Um, I put four. Because I kind of think the way it plays out, because Ziggy exists in two, and, and you know, like... Ziggy is our final girl in two, for sure. Right, and she exists, or she lives through this, so she's yeah. like a final girl. And then Dina and Sam are definitely like our final girls in the first one, mm-hmm. and then all the way through this. And then Josh is with them all the way through, too. So, mm-hmm. like, we get three final girls and a final boy, I'm yeah. going to say in this. Yeah, for sure. They don't... 
And this movie doesn't play out like the other two as like no. a standard slasher whatsoever because it has to focus so much on the conclusion. The conclusion. So it really just works as like this is stuff that could have easily just been in the other movies and it wasn't. Um Otherwise, we wouldn't have had really nice 90-minute movies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so this one doesn't play out with those same tropes. So it's basically our final girl and boy scenarios are carrying over. Right. Like, there's no... This movie has the least amount of character growth because so much of it is just action of, like, leading to how they're well, ending Well, and it. we don't even spend half the movie with any of these characters. Right. And, like, a lot of the things we see are things we already knew. Like, we know that Dina is going to do whatever she can to save Sam. We yeah. know that Josh is incredibly loyal to his sister and wants yeah. to make sure she lives. Um, we know Ziggy's a fighter. Yeah, and like... And going to do anything she can to survive. And... Right. So, like, we see a lot of those things that we've already seen in parts one and two. We just see them reach their conclusion. Um, so like it's almost like we knew that about all these characters already this is just giving us the conclusion to that arc um, because there's very little actual development with the characters here which is fine though because like watching this as a trilogy like if you were to watch this movie alone you'd be like I mean it's so fucking confused you'd be confused and also you'd be like these I don't care about these characters they have no arc but watching one and two you already know it so like this ends up being very satisfying yeah you don't need to re-engage it it's just it's just like honestly it's like the screen movies like you don't need to re-go over what Sydney's already been through in all the screen movies you already know so it's like what where is she at now like what's what is she doing now and she has a lot of growth in those movies but like you know re-watching four very recently not really. It's her growth is just that Sydney's a fucking fighter. Like that's where she's at now. Like she's yeah. been through this four times, you know. So like we don't need a lot of character growth. No, there. four is more like I'm not hiding anymore. Exactly. Yeah. I'm coming out. I'm owning this story. Yeah. And and Sid just fights that whole movie. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I love that scene where she charges into the neighbor's house. Like Sydney actually goes after Ghostface. She's like, I don't care anymore. Like, yeah. We're doing this. Um, Bitch is tired. <laughs> she really is. Uh, I think this movie has our highest body count. I think. Uh, yeah, probably. I can because that really quick. pretty brutal scene. Uh, yeah, so 14 total. The opening scene we have, which like sort of kicks off our story in 1666, is the um, pastor is like, holding the sermon, and like it's... Hannah's dad and he was acting a little weird that morning and they go into the church and he's hosting a sermon and all of the kids in the village have he's killed and gouged their eyes out and he's literally like and he's gouged his own eyes out yeah and he's just performing a sermon yeah and there's 10 of them so there's 10 kids killed off screen and then set up in this church Mm And, and then, yeah. Oh, uh, I was, and then like this is where we get all of our Sarah Fear backstory. Yeah. So this is where we get a lot of her returning characters. Uh, they kind of set up this idea of it's this little village, um, and they they just are settling there, right? And what's happened? Like there is some weird stuff happening, and um, you know uh, our characters, Tina and Sam, whose names Hannah and Sarah, Sarah. Um, are definitely like uh i mean they're gay and then they definitely are um gay gay and then they're like also they're like experimenting basically with like psychedelics uh-huh. um and you know like a lot of the kids in the list like this puritanical village not a lot of them but some of the kids are definitely like not pu- like set on the puritanical ways um so you know the the older people in the village like when these things start happening they automatically look towards this and then obviously we're looking at the era where you know, witch hunts were a very real thing, um, and like satanic panic was very real, and so it's not long before Sarah is blamed for the things that are happening. Um, and like the the original good, like knows, like notices obviously that she's already kind of like set off some alarms in people's heads, so she's easy to frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so he like he like very easily frames her. And that's where we see like this whole original scene happen where he blames her for the witchcraft, where she loses her hand, which was gross. Like that mangling scene was rough. Um, like when he breaks it and then it's just like flopping around and he rips it off. I was like, ew. 
um yeah so we get and then she's hung you know um and yeah she's hung after her father is killed with a pitchfork um so like the fears are you know blamed and then killed well it, her dad's not the bastard That's oh Hannah's no dad. Hannah's dad yeah yeah yeah, and the part that was, like, really messed up about it is that he was, like, her ally, like, mm-hmm. somebody in the community that she trusted and, like, knew about her, and she felt like she could trust him, and then it turns out that because he knew about her that he was, like, well, like, she's different, and I can use her. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty much just a whole big movie about how shitty men are <laughs> yeah i mean basically you know it's just playing with these themes of you know using this idea of having entitlement he felt oh entitled God, so much entitled to yeah. having p- prosperity he felt like everything he had gone through everything he had worked so hard for wasn't coming to fruition and this land was not working out and he's the one who convinced everybody to settle there. And so he feels like he has no choice, like he was robbed. And so he makes this deal with the devil to get what he feels like he deserves. And uh, that comes with an insane price. Yeah. And like really just like redeeming Sarah too. Like Sarah tries to use the book to save Hannah um and then also finds um solomon using it and he offers to like cut her in on it and she's like no absolutely not well yeah and i think they do a really good job too it's like the bad guys aren't necessarily always um the bad guys out front you know and they can be your friends like just because you love somebody or just because you're friends with somebody doesn't mean they're not a bad guy yep and so I think it very much did a good job of making him likable and making, I mean, you truly believe that he doesn't really want to do that to Sarah. Yeah, because he offers to cut yeah, her in. Like but he, he, yeah, he, he feels like he has no choice. Yep. Like this is just what he has to do. Obviously that's fucked up and not true. Right. You don't have to fucking kill people and sacrifice somebody you kill like you care about but in his mind he was like i don't want to do this but i don't see another way mm-hmm. uh, yeah and then that's when we we're about halfway through the movie at this point we flash back yeah. to the quote-unquote present 1994 it be said part 1994 part two um so we jump back in and now dina knows everything yep. um so she is very aware of what's happening she knows that the goods are behind everything um, and they like realize what they have to do to finally stop this curse from happening. Like that's why all these attempts have failed because they're trying to stop the Sarah wrong. Fear. Yeah, they're trying to stop Which, Sarah. She's not the bad guy. She's trying to get people. She's this whole time when she's been quote unquote like possessing people. Really, she's just trying to get people to see, never forget. That's what she promised right. Solomon Good that you would never forget her and what he did. So that's what she's trying to do. Yeah. And then, so we get this whole, um, like, first of all, we're back in the 90s, and I love all the needle drops in this movie. I, I'll say that right now. Like, I think this movie, like B said, um, benefits greatly from its soundtrack. And being back into the 90s, like, I love the music that he picked for it. That was definitely something I, like, noted. I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this music so much. Um, but, yeah, so it's her, Josh, um, Ziggy, and... Um, Sam? And... Sam, Sam still possessed this whole time. Um, yeah. They recruit Martin, the mall janitor. Oh, yes. um, who is hilarious. Also, I love, him. I love when they pull up. They pull up on him because they realize now they're like, we have to kill Nick. Good, um, and so they literally pull up, and he's like, he like they're in the cop car, and so they pull up. He's like, hey, I didn't do anything, and Josh is like, do you want to help us kill Nick? Good. He's like, let me get my jacket. Um, so they set up very similar to that bathroom scheme in the first one. They set up like this big elaborate trap at the mall. So we go back to the mall where it all Let's started. Go to the mall. Um, and I love when horror movies do that, where it ends where it started. Uh-huh. I also just love mall horror. We go back to the mall, and they are able to set up this trap. Um, mall All of this is so 90s. It's in the mall during the 90s. They use, like, neon. The blood is, like, neon, um, like, during the like the black light scenes, because they, they're going to use Dina's blood to 
get the killers to try to kill Nick is like their whole plan. Um, but it's like all in like, you know, a black lit mall. Um, and so they're, they're there and they're fighting with all the killers and they're also fighting against Nick. Um, so pretty much this is all happening like, you know, concurrently, like Nick manages to almost kill Ziggy. And then one of the, one of the killers stabs Nick and then another cop shows up and he also gets stabbed by one of the killers. Um, and then it finally ends because Nick goes into the tunnels, um, and Nick is about to kill Dina, but she exposes him to the beating organs, and then she gets, like, possessed by Sarah. And Sarah's finally able to exact revenge on this family that did her wrong for, at this point, 300 years, um, 400 years, something like that, and stabs Three, him in the fucking eye. Three-ish. Yeah. Um, Three and some change. Yeah. Um, and stabs him in the eye. And, like, once she does that, all the killers disappear, finally. Um, and then we get, like, a nice little ending montage, like a normal horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin goes on to find a career selling technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh finally meets the friend that he's been talking to online mm-hmm. the entire series. Ziggy reuni- reunites with Mrs. Lane from the camp. And then Dina and Sam have a picnic on Sarah, Fear- Sarah Fear's grave. Um, so it's a very nice, like, happy little ending. Yeah, which is, you know, pretty typical for a teen scream. Yeah, and it only took, like, 40 murders to get there. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you look at this series from a whole, a massive, massive kill count. Huge kill count for, yeah. like, a series. Like, mm-hmm. really, really big. And, like, lots of children. Like, lots so of many kids. kids. Part two and three, like, literally probably ten kids each. Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> um... Yeah, so we have 14 total kills. And like I said, there's that uh, mid-credit scene where you do see someone pick up the book in the tunnels and then, like, leave with it. But we don't know who it is or what their intentions are. Um, Yeah, and that is the end of Fear Street. I need a tissue. Um, I know. Ryan comes back to sack and just gets all allergy-ridden. It's like cat's fire. Yeah. Yeah, we have, like, crazy wealth. I mean, anybody who's in California or even Nevada right now, it's all really bad. Um, welcome to the West Coast. Yeah. And <laughs> Can't, and I saw this meme today. It was my favorite. It's like, we should be outside because of Delta. And then it's like, we should be inside because of the fires. And then it's like just casually living through an apocalypse over here in California. Yep. It's like, yeah. Pretty much. Um that's no wonder there's a mass exodus of the state. Expenses to live in, you can't fucking go outside half of the year. And I didn't even realize how bad it was because luckily down in SoCal right now. There's not a lot of fires right now. Not a lot of fires and the coastal winds is pushing off the smoke that would normally travel down. But once I got through the grapevine, I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, so. I know. If we see the air quality at like 100, we're like, oh, okay, we can go outside today. It's nice. Literally saw it at 90 the other day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's a nice day out. Yeah, it's a nice day out with the air quality. Air quality is usually like 10, yeah. maybe, maybe. Yeah. And that's bad. Usually it's like fine. Yeah. It's not even 450 is like the worst, but there have been days where it's been up to like 200. So. Yeah. It's fun over here. So, anyhow. Um, what is your favorite kill in this movie? Um, I think my favorite kill, just because it's like, I my favorite segment of this is the opening se- scene with the with the kids with the kids yeah um so even though it is off screen you know i love a setup yep and so it's just very creepy and eerie and the like the pastor just giving that sermon and then the camera is like going down the aisle of like the pupils pews pews yeah and uh, then you see that all the kids that are sitting there listening to him are dead. It's fucking creepy. And it's definitely my my favorite kill segment for sure. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, this one doesn't have any too many standout kills. Um, like, it's very gratifying when Nick dies. But, like, it's just, you know, a knife and yeah. an eye. And I say just a knife and an eye. But <laughs> like, um, God, we sound like serial killers sometimes. Um, but when you have, you know, the noodle like the pasta maker kill pasta maker kill in the first one and then the like the second one has some like brutal things um as well like those axe kills like uh-huh. this one in like relative to those is pretty tame 
Yeah. Uh, so I agree with like that setup. It's just super creepy too. That whole church scene is super. Uh-huh. Everything that happens in that church is super creepy. Well, yeah, and that time, like, I definitely feel like I would have. Per- I like the movie. I like the stuff in 1666 the best, and it f- feels really separate though from the rest of the franchise, which makes sense. I would have loved to have seen them think of a way to conclude the story in that timeline. Right. And I think they could have done something where the characters sort of like pop out of the, and become themselves. Or I feel like there were other ways to solve it without having to go back to 1994. Right. Um, which just felt a little off, especially with the way that they marketed and filmed these. This is part one, 1994. Right. Part two is in this. And then to have part three basically end halfway through and then be like no we're going back to the 90s it's like i get it but like i didn't sit the continuity of it didn't sit like amazing with me um but i loved like the world they created in 1666 and the vibes and i like the the finale a lot of the film but it felt weird as a whole it's disjointed Yeah. yeah for sure I think I'm more okay with it because I do not enjoy that era for horror very much. Like, when movies are based in that era, it's very few and far between for me. And so, like, when they got back to the 90s, which is, like, my favorite, I was like, yeah, we're back, baby. I was like, cool. Um, Because, like, yeah, like I said, like, just puritanical stuff and, like, whatever you want to call that age, like Quakers and all that. Like, oh, it's because you're not a woman. It's a fucking scary ass yeah, time no, as a woman. Yeah, no, it is. It straight up is. Like, I cannot understand it. And so, like, it just doesn't vibe. And some, like, I love The Witch. Like, I thought The Witch was uh, See, was I don't excellent. even like that movie that much. Oh, see, I really like The Witch. Um, and then there's another movie I really like from that era, or, like, based in that era called Blood on Satan's Claw that I watched that I really like. But um, for the most part, it's super, like, I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. I like the more, I, in general, enjoy, like, witch trial type stuff i that was definitely gateway horror for me as a kid and so i think that's and this feels more like that than a lot of like the witch or like the the which is kind of owed to that but way more in the whole folklore dread stuff which i think a lot of those like puritanical horror movies kind of go in that direction where for me i'm like i loved like reading the crucible in high school and like Mm, all that you know all that type of stuff super interests me yeah and so i just like that era makes sense and the idea that like you know you do anything that somebody doesn't like you're a witch you're a witch they can literally just like Uh throw shade at you yeah like yeah it's scary Uh uh-huh and it's the crucible is also like really interesting to think about and contrast with today's time because the whole thing is about rumors being spread that like literally lead to death and it just reminds me of like social media Mm -hmm. and like this era that we're living in where one thing said about somebody can like start a firestorm kind of like cancel culture yeah no exactly it's like one no it for sure is even proved yeah it's like here you go here you you are yeah so it's super yeah it's super fascinating so it is it it is kind of fun to go to this era and think about it in in modern times um i'd be happy to have more more 1666 yeah um we said in the last two, it's positioned the horror landscape, brand new, but people are stoked about it, um, really excited about it. I think we'll continue to, like we discussed at the top of the episode, either see more in this world or at least see like merch and stuff. I would not be surprised if they put out physical releases. We're already getting the finals. Um, and then, yeah, this is our 78th movie. At the end of every episode, we rank our movies, which you can find at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list. And that is a ranking of movies not by our favorites or what we think is the best, but what we think works the best as a slasher movie from top to bottom, which is why we dive into everything the way that we do. Uh, number one is Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984, with number two being the long-running, uh, long-reigning champ before getting dethroned by Bloody Valentine from 1981. And then rounding at the bottom of our list, probably forever, April Fool's Day 2008 and April Fool's Day 1986, which are at the bottom of our list for two very, very different <laughs> reasons. Um, so make sure to listen to those episodes if, well, one of those episodes, if you disagree with that. Or listen to both, just only watch one movie. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, 
Yeah, and for reference, Fear Street Part 1 ranked at number 16, and Fear Street Part 2 with my um, Persuasion ranked at 14. Yes. Um, yeah, B loves that era. Uh, That's true. This ranks lower. Oh, yes. It's barely a slasher. It's barely a slasher movie. So, yeah, this is definitely going to be way, way at the bottom. Yeah. Um, it leans on the other two movies. The only slasher-esque stuff we get is, like, is in the mall. Is the finale in the yeah. mall. Everything else um, is, you know, it essentially loses the formula and the tropes that were so, so heavy mm-hmm. in the first two. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, we don't have any slashers set or like we didn't have film in the 1600s where the other two movies are very much based on movies actually made in those eras. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, just like with the needle drops, like, you know, people just made a lot of jokes like, oh, my God, there's been so many needle drops. What are they going to do for 1666? And it's like, it's a score. Like, it's just it's just a score. It's not, you know, popular, you know, music as the way. And, I mean, that's what made it work, you know? So, I just, I'm trying to think of the tropes that we see. Like, the only thing I can really think of is, like, we do get, like, something that we see, not in every slasher movie, but the whole, like, trapping the killer is something we get and when mm-hmm. we have a really resolute final girl. We see that, you know, Nancy Or does in that. a sequel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Where like, you're, like, creating, Nancy like, does that. Elaborate does ways. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, people who are well-established. So, like, we still get that. We still do get our killers mm-hmm. that are themed. Um, they're just very little screen time. There's, like, it's, like, maybe 20 And they're minutes. not integral to the plot. Not at all. They're just there to keep the cast distracted. Yeah. So, it's, like... It, it crushes me to say this, but I like look and I'm like, it's like, it's got to be realistically like right around like 74, 73, somewhere around there. Because I think it has to be like 76. I think you're right. Because I think, I think you're 100% right. Because yeah. I think it operates less as a slasher than and, Happy Death Day to you and, and Cry, Cry Wolf. Wolf. Yeah. Because Cry Wolf just one thing sets it apart, which we, I won't spoil it here for you if you haven't seen it, but it's like, it plays every trope well. It does. It just ultimately like it, cuts itself out yeah. of the franchise or out of the out of the genre. Yeah, it has a twist that like basically eliminates it from right. further contending. Um, um, and Happy Death Day to You is also barely a slasher. The first, um, but half two is yes, also pretty slashery. But it just gets very sci-fi in the second. Yes, half. but we still have so some awesome, awesome slasher moments. And um, we have a huge final girl arc. Mm-hmm. Like, Tree has a massive arc in that movie. Yes. Like, so much growth. Mm-hmm. And we still have our killer. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's like, it still has those things, but in comparison to movies that are full-blown slashers, like the 70 movies on the list before these ones... It, it lands itself a lot lower. And this one doesn't do either of those things. It, it just has, t- because it's a third movie in a franchise that's not relying on a, its killer, uh-huh. we we lose all of the... We've, we've lost Sarah Fear as our killer in the third one. Uh-huh. Instead, we get her origin story. Right. Like, this is an origin story and a conclusion all in one. Yeah. And so it, it doesn't have to lean on slasher tropes like the other two did. And it well, yeah, doesn't. it'd be like if we got, you know, an origin story. Like, look at the tidbits of origin stories we get for Freddy or for Jason or any of those characters. Right, they, they wouldn't be slashers. They wouldn't be yeah. slashers. Well, the end of Jason's life. The end, exactly. Yeah. Which is exactly what this is. The yeah. very end plays as, as a slasher. Everything leading up to it, it's an origin story. There's no slashing. We're yep. figuring out how the slashing happens. Yeah. So Which is important. The oh, yeah. other movies wouldn't necessarily exist without this origin, but it and is again, its own movie. You guys just listened to the episode and like if you like if you're if you haven't listened to our old episodes and you're taking a look at our list, now you can understand a little bit why things are ranked the way they are because this is stuff that we look at when we talk about how it works as a slasher because B and I both like this movie and both think it works very well as a conclusion and has a lot of things we really like about it still ends up as number 76 on our list. Mm-hmm. If you go back and listen to 
our um, episodes on Cry Wolf and Happy Death Day to you, especially Happy Death Day to you, we love those movies. Mm-hmm. Like, love those mm-hmm. movies. And they are still down here because this isn't favorites and this isn't best. This is how does it work as a slasher movie. Yep. So, Fear Street, Part 3, 1666, number 76. Um, and that's the end of the trilogy. Yeah. Um, it, wow. I know. Crazy. So, it's going to be a... I don't know exactly what film we're covering next, but it's definitely going to be heavy on new releases this yes. year. Because so, the, we have because we have so them. many, yeah. And we're going to cover them when we, when we have them. And there's, I mean, we haven't yet, but we'll probably cover it soon, is Freaky, which yep. came out. Candyman's um, out this week. Candyman's out this week, so maybe that's what will be our next episode. Um, we both plan on going to see it. Like I said, we're going to have the new Child's Play show. We're mm-hmm. going to have Halloween to cover. Um, I don't know what we're going to do about Scream. Yeah, we'll decide. Yeah, probably won't cover it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know if we ever talked about it, but B and I purposely don't cover Scream because, like, it's kind of our end game. Like, when yeah. we get to the end of the road and we're like, okay, we're going to wrap up the show. We'll cover Scream. We'll cover Scream. Because we just know where it's going to rain. And also... We have, a, we have an idea. We talk about it almost every episode yeah. anyways. Yeah. So it's because like... Because not only is it a very influential film, it is strongly influential to us. Yes. Specifically. Yes. So it has shaped our views on horror. Mm-hmm. I know there are definitely people who, you know, don't hold it to as high of standard as we do. I, I get that. Yep. It is, you know definitely a movie that spoke specifically to us so it has shaped our view on horror yeah it's my favorite director like it's just it has my fa- my, my daughter's name is cora drew um her middle name is after drew barrymore yeah. like it's just very um an important film to us and definitely something we bonded over immediately um i watched it for the first time um, right about the time Ryan and I became friends. Um, so it's... It's like 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's right when I was like starting to... I was like a senior in high school and I was starting to go back to the old stuff. I was consuming a ton of new horror and I was finally like, I need to see all these like... I just worked my way through Friday, like the um, Friday series. I'd worked my way all through Nightmare and then I made my way to Scream after I finished all those franchises. And then I met Ryan. Yeah. And, yeah, I was 16. It's Crazy. definitely, like, where our friendship, like, blossomed from was Metro Station and horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> and there's one of those things that we still have in common. <laughs> yeah. I still listen to Metro Station. Um, yeah, so we don't know what we're going to cover next. Yeah. Um, we definitely want to get Brandon and Aaron back on the show because we love them and we miss them so much. Yes. We um, tried to do a, f- a Friday episode for Friday the 13th. It just didn't work out with our yeah. schedules. There's just, yeah, four of us in all different places. And, like, yeah. it's funny, like, anytime one, like, B and I suddenly are, like, we're, and Brennan uh, are all, like, we work from home. We're available. And Aaron's, like, busy because he has a new work. job. And yeah. also he's being successful. So yeah. it's, like... But, like, we're never going to, like, obviously, we're just, like, we're rooting for you, buddy. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we are, we do want to get some guests back on. We do want to cover some newer stuff. And then, we'll of course, we always have the 80s. So We always have the 80s. Yeah. Um, so we don't know what we're covering, but we'll let you know when we know. And mm-hmm. we'll see you in two weeks. We would love to hear from you. And you can find us online at KeepScreaming.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at, at ScreamingCast. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe subscribe to us on iTunes. It helps us grow and snag great new listeners. Thanks for listening and until next time, keep screaming.